if you don't choose to feel the sadness, then it's going to be really hard for you to understand the full extent of happiness. Hundo. Right? You have to understand both sides of the spectrum. And that's why they exist. That's why there isn't only just happiness in the world. Because if there was only happiness, you wouldn't value it the same. But right now there's sadness and there's, there's, I don't know, maybe depression, anxiety, overwhelm, anger. There's all these other emotions that don't feel good. But if there was things that only felt good, like I said, you would just wouldn't value them. They wouldn't feel as good as they do. You wouldn't understand them. It would just be the way of life. So that's why there's polar opposites of the spectrum, good and bad, uh, healthy, unhealthy, all these things. So you appreciate what's on the other side of that spectrum. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Mask Unity Podcast, a space we created to help redefine what it means to be a powerful man in the modern era. I'm your co-host, CK. This is your co-host, A-squared, a.k.a. Anwar Ahmed. We're excited to bring you another episode. Today, we're going to be talking about emotional intelligence versus intelligence, EQ versus IQ. But before we do that, you always know what time it is. Check. Hey, yo, Coach Kaya. <laughs> How you doing today, my guy? I'm good, man. Honestly, it's. Uh, I feel like I had a little bit of COVID fatigue or pandemic quarantine fatigue yesterday. I felt like I uh, was just beat a little bit for sure. Like that happens, you know. Is it pandemic yeah. fatigue? Is that what it's called? <sighs> new terms for this thing, man. This everything oh, is new. Just. Yeah. Some of Sick us. of it's what I'm calling it. Yes. Yeah. So I think I felt that a bit, but the week itself was good. I feel like I made a lot of good moves uh, as far as like the business stuff goes. Um, fell off some routines a little bit, which felt a little, a little odd. So maybe that's why I felt a little bit of the pandemic fatigue. But outside of that, this morning, today, I feel quite good. Mm-hmm. Woke up, had a good morning. We got some snow last night, but the sun came out this morning, blessed us with its presence, which was just powerful. I'm obsessed with the sun. If you haven't noticed in all my intros, I talk about the sun. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I'm from Calgary. So for me, sun is so dominant there. Yeah. I didn't realize how much I relied on it until I got here, um, where it's not as prevalent here. So when it does come out, I'm just, I'm eating it up, mm-hmm. eating it up. So it always puts me in a good mood. And uh, I watched a little bit of uh, footy this morning. So it's a good morning. Nice. Great morning. My week is the complete opposite to yours. Yesterday was the first day I got off the fatigue. The whole week was a drag, mm. absolute drag. I think that like the pandemic really kind of just caved in on me and it was just, it just happened fast. You're fighting it, you're fighting it, you're fighting it, you're pushing through, you're pushing through, you're pushing through. And then I just was done. Like mm. I, I, I realized that like every mental thing I could do, everything I was like, it's fine or it'll get better. All the, I ran out of the, I ran out of excuses. I was like, nah, is this going to get better? Cause like I haven't got to recharge my own battery in such a long time. There's nowhere to recharge right now. Um, I mean, there is places to recharge, but the places that I like to be recharged in are all kind of shut right. down. They're all closed. I think it just kind of caught up to me. And so I spent the whole week trying to go from, you know, a negative two to the positives. I just spent the whole week trying to move the needle one day at a time and, you know, Saturday was horrible. Sunday was even worse. Monday felt a little bit better, but um, just usually I go back to the diet, get some more sleep, you know, um, but I'm feeling so much better now, but just, yeah, I think that, I think everyone's kind of feeling that it's the middle of winter now. It's just like, everyone's feeling that like this pandemic, come on, man, COVID wrap it up. 
You know what I mean? Like, mm. Wrap it up, man. We've been in here for a while. Like, okay, you get it. You win. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let us go. Um, but we still got so much more time. Like, there's no, there's no certainty about getting out of this anytime soon. So, mm. um, just took it as a mental check of like, okay, cool. Let's you know, kind of, kind of work through it. Um, talk to some close friends of mine. Kind of let them know how I was feeling, and uh, we got to, you know, I got some support from them, and got realigned with kind of like you know my own habits starting to eat well again um that exercise you're, you're neglecting getting back into that and just finding energy wherever i can and i feel i feel good now so i'm excited i'm excited to be back the podcast gives me energy so mm-hmm. um, i'm excited to be here not to dive in it and put you back there but what is a minus two you know what is a minus two minus three because i feel like most people would say i'm just at a zero i'm, mm-hmm. em- I'm empty and you went as far as saying like minus two yeah what does a minus two feel like look like as far as actions like what 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 were you going through like what were you doing or what maybe were you not doing yeah minus two because that's when like i'm i'm done like i'm really done um the negative thoughts are way outweighing the positive nothing start you start questioning everything things that you're confident in, you start questioning everything is just starting to collapse um and it's this uh feeling of because zero is you can just zero to me is a bad day you know what i mean like once you get into the negatives you have to stop for me i feel like when i start seeing negative i have to stop i'm like oh i gotta stop what i'm doing i gotta recalibrate um i'm overwhelmed uh i'm i'm not excited i'm not feeling you know that's when you start having the like I like life sucks. Once those start, like it's not like hey, my job sucks or this individual event sucks. When you start hating the whole entire thing, I'm at a negative too. You know what I mean? Like everything. I'm my the time of my life and the age and this and I haven't done this yet. I've accomplished just it. Everything is just like I'm not in shape. We start really going down those rabbit holes. That's when I'm like, woo, oh, this could get bad. Um, and so I just had to stop. Just be like, okay, cool. Whoa, that's I haven't been there in a while. Um, what's going on, figure it out, address it, um, figure out what you do when you're, you know, when you're feeling really good about yourself, get back to those routines and then kind of dig yourself out of that hole. But, um, so you mentioned that you reached out to a couple of people. Why did you feel it necessary in this moment to do that versus maybe like other moments or what brought you to, to feel like, okay, this is a time where maybe I should start talking to someone about it. Well, typically I usually don't like, you know, um, depending on where I'm at with this, if I need to talk about it, some, a lot of those things I was telling myself was just, I understood that the pandemic was making me feel like that. You know what I mean? Like it was out of my control. Like I just wanted to recharge and do things that I loved and I couldn't do anything, you know? And it was just, I had been giving, 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 giving and not getting anything back. So, but the giving is still, there's still people reaching out. You're still like the, the responsibilities are still there. You can't recharge your battery. Um, Usually the people that I was reaching out to and I was telling was the people that I maybe deal with on a day-to-day basis. Mm. And so, hey, I'm showing up with not me right now. I just mm. need some time to get there. Like a you know? forewarning. It's yeah, just like, like if we're around each other, I can't guarantee I'm going to be at my best. Hey, I'm just giving you a heads up right now. I'm going through it. Right. So when I show up to, you know, when I show up to work today and you're like, what the heck is wrong with this guy? Just know I already called you and I told you this is how I'm feeling. Tell my roommate, hey, I'm, it's not a vibe for me right now. Mm. Give me some space. You know what I mean? Like, I just need some time to work things out. I'll let you know if I need to talk about it. But right now, just I want you to understand my behavior and why it looks this way. I'm going through some stuff, you know? Um, my mom, when my mom called, you know, she's expecting a certain type of energy and I'm not giving her that energy. So I got to tell her, hey, I'm acting like this because this is going on. And usually when you tell those kind of immediate circles, you start focusing less on the judgment that's coming your way and more about the problem that you're dealing with. 
right? Like, I don't want to be feeling like I'm getting judged while I'm working through something. Like, hey, I'm not feeling right right now. Give me some time. And, you know, when you create great people around you and you create people that love you and support you, they give you that space mm-hmm. and you feel like there isn't any judgment, you know? Um, but it takes some, it takes a little bit of guts and courage, I guess, to tell your, you know, your roommates, your boss, whoever that thing is. And I'm grateful to have an amazing boss. I'm grateful to have amazing colleagues that I work with. So when we're on that Zoom call and, then the, you know, they're, how is your week? I don't feel like I have to lie. I can say, hey, you know. I'm not feeling so hot right now, you know? And I feel like with the pandemic, it's made a lot more your friends, your bosses more empathetic because they understand that, hey, this pandemic thing is not, it's not a vibe. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be people that call and say, you know, um, that they're not feeling it right now. And I, what am I going to do as a response to that? You know, and the people around me have responded very well. And I think that's why I was able to bounce back really fast. I wasn't able to, like, I didn't dwell in that, that, that long. I was there for four or five days, maybe, you know, it took about a week to kind of drag myself out of that, but, um, could have been longer, could have been way longer. Um, so I'm grateful for the people that I have around me. And it's not necessarily, sometimes I talk to those people to tell them, let's, I want to solve this problem. It's more so, Hey, I'm going to work through the problem. Just be, be conscious that I'm working through something right now. And this is what it looks like, unfortunately for the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful. Thanks for sharing. For sure. Appreciate yeah, that. I yeah, appreciate I you it's, asking. It's, it falls in line well with what we're talking about today with the idea of emotional intelligence versus just intelligence as a whole. You know, we're going through an emotional battle. And I think that you were right in the sense it does take a lot of courage and bravery to feel like that's the right decision for us as men to express that because you, or at least most men would be fearful of telling our friends and our friends thinking us that we're weaker or fearing their judgment or what have you, a multitude of different reasons. And you didn't feel that way, which is an attestment to your relationship building and the people that you're in your circle, which is beautiful and the support that they've provided. But you also included just a really high level of communication. It wasn't even just that you shared that you were going through the time. It was that you didn't wait for an opportunity to have that effect the relationship or the experience. You basically said, no, look, like let's beat this to the punch now give them a forewarning. So there's no way that it can be like misconstrued. And I, well, in your case, you didn't have to worry about showing up as a specific person in that moment, because that's not where you, that's not where you were. So you Mm -hmm. weren't putting on a mask. You weren't being fake. You just were, this is where I'm at. I'm going to do my best. I'll be there. I'm just going to do my best right now. And, uh, that's huge. That's huge. That's a very vulnerable space to be in. So I appreciate you sharing. For, and you, I mean, you were on the receiving end of one of those phone calls, right? So, you know, there's basically, I think that it's just the, your responsibilities. It's, it's important that you feel comfortable to being able to show up to those responsibilities and tell the people that, you know, who are holding you accountable that, Hey, the duties of this, like this job that I'm doing right now, I'm not going to be the best at it for the next little bit. Mm-hmm. I'll get back to being the best at it. But right now. Um, because then all they're doing ultimately is they're holding you accountable to the, the responsibilities that you already said, right? Like if my boss is like, Hey, I'm going to call you and say how the work is going and I'm going to judge you like as if everything was normal, you know? Um, and so I think, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that, that communication is important. I think it's key and it takes some time to be honest. Um, and I think on the receiving end of that as well to add is on my end of the spectrum, I wasn't over here being like, he can't handle this or, you know, he's not strong enough or anything like that. And I think that's what we fear is that people are going to start thinking that way when in reality, we're all empaths on some level. So we're all going to empathize, especially right now in the world we're living in. We know people are going through these times. So expressing that emotion to someone that you're going through it, the other side isn't thinking what you think it's often just a story that we're playing out of like, they're going to think this and that and they're going to judge me and you know, and they're never going to see me the same. And, um, 
you know, I've always been this strong person. Now I'm not. What are they going to What are they going to say or talk about me? All this stuff, and it really never happens on my side. Like you didn't know this, but I took that in as like, okay, got it. Like I'm going to let him do his thing. He'll communicate with me when he needs to. I'll be there every step of the way if he needs it, and I'll pick up a little extra on this space, or I'll do a little extra work on this space, specifically the podcast, knowing that he could still do it if he wants to. But I'll just say I'll do it, and. If he says, no, I got it, then that's perfect. At least we had that understanding. Mm-hmm. So I already knew. I just knew that we were just going to get through it and that you always had that support system over here and you knew that. So I think it's just the yeah, interesting to hear that the stories really just play a whole different game, but I'm happy that you got through those and were able to share. Appreciate it, Matt. I appreciate you helping me this week and kind of having that conversation with me too. So it's nice that we got that out here. Absolutely. All right, so getting into the topic of the podcast today, we mentioned we wanted to talk about emotional intelligence or how it's been referred to now as EQ, kind of that EQ, that emotional quotient versus IQ, which is the intelligence quotient. So traditionally, it's been more of a focus, I think, as just a general population focusing on intelligence quotient, IQ, right? Now, I think it's different for us. I don't know if you ever went through one, but I never had an intelligence test. So more of like a states thing. Definitely, I think it's more of like a state thing. I think, or if there's just no real test unless you're trying to like maybe go to like an LSAT or right. an MCAT, you're trying to actually like those are you know IQ tests, mm-hmm. um, but it's because you're trying to achieve something, you're trying to get to something. Um, I don't think that you know, there isn't in Canada, I feel like there isn't you don't have to write a test to get into university, so right, you just your grades kind of speak for themselves. And if right. you don't have a certain class, you just go back and do the class. Once you get the letter grade for that class, you kind of move on. There isn't an IQ test, mm-hmm. but there's IQ tests out there. Mm-hmm. Right. So the reason that we wanted to talk about this in the first place is because in our own personal spaces, as well as really a lot of people and men that we've spoken to, there is a high level of attention towards IQ and knowing all of the answers and figuring everything out and having all the wisdom and knowledge, but there's way less attention on emotional intelligence and, or at least was, or at least was for the most part, for sure. And I I find it interesting, even just bringing the concept up to some of my friends, they actually don't even know what emotional intelligence is in a sense. They know that emotions exist, Mm -hmm. but they don't know that there's a multitude of books, that it's an entire scientific framework, that there is, theories and practices and studies in this space that are so much larger than we ever thought. I think that that's where a lot of men don't realize that it's a whole concept. It can be a literally an entire course you could take. And so from my experience, I felt like I fell on that line growing up where it was get all the knowledge, 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 knowledge. Cause no one was there to teach me about emotion. No one was there supporting me about emotion. I've spoken about my stories on that. And so I just said, okay, well, if no one's going to teach me that, it's clearly evident the school system wants me to know intelligence. So I'm just going to keep running with that and get as smart as possible. Was your upbringing the same? And if it wasn't, what was different for you? And how did that even help you or operate? No, it was the complete opposite for me. Um, So you were focused on EQ maybe unbeknownst to you, but that's just what was going on. Had no idea what it was. I didn't have no idea EQ was a thing. All I knew was that, 
like emotional or I guess uh, intelligence came hard for me. Mm-hmm. Like everything I was learning was difficult. Like school was like, it was easy in the beginning when things all made sense. But once it got to that point where it wasn't step by step anymore, like you had to take that extra step to think. And like, you know, um, as it became more of like a, once I started becoming more an athlete really is when it happened. Um, I just, my passion became towards sports and I just put all my good energy towards sports and I gave all my lazy energy towards school. Mm. And that's where the trade-off happened. I just, all my good energy, I put it towards what I, was, I loved. Lazy energy was like school, get this assignment done, hand it in. Don't think about it. Just like, what's the answer? Like, you know, just do your best to figure it out. It wasn't until I got older and I realized there was all this like research and stuff around emotional intelligence. And I realized, oh, it was the first time I actually felt like, oh, I was like, oh, this is an area I think I'm smart in. This is an area I'm like, oh, this is what I've been leveraging my whole entire, this is how I've gotten to this point. I haven't really leveraged my IQ at all to get to this point. I've just been like, you know, handing it in, mailing it in most of the time. You know what I mean? Get it done, hand it in. Like you're, you don't feel great about anything that you like, you know, hand in. You're just like, oh, there you go. That's, that's what you wanted, right? You know what I mean? Like no outside of the box thinking, never really challenged myself. But emotionally, I was always challenging myself. Like I was doing it naturally. Like, you know, when you're, when you grow up in, um, an area that's not safe, you got to be emotionally intelligent. Mm. You got to be able to pick up on signs of what's going on. Like if that person just crossed the street and they, they came behind you, why are they behind you? You cross the street and I'll see what happens. You cross the street, they follow you. You're probably in a problem, mm. you know, being able to use your surroundings and be able to see emotion. Like that was, the, I felt like I was studying that at a young age, but I didn't know I was studying that. I was just watching people, watching behavior, analyzing how people respond to how I'm acting. Um, you know, being nervous around my mom to make sure that she wasn't like, is she going to get mad? Did I do something today? Like, you know what I mean? Like just being able to like come into a room and be like, what's the vibe of the room today? You know what I mean? Like mastering those kind of feelings and knowing like how to move through that, doing a ton of that when I was young. I didn't even know I was developing that skill set until later on. I was like, oh, this is what I've been practicing. Mm. This is what I've been learning. And for me, um, the definition I've always kind of like stuck to about emotional intelligence was this four quadrant kind of definition where the first part of it is self-awareness, identifying your own emotions. Things are coming up for you, identifying it. Things are coming up for you, identifying it, right? The second quadrant was um, self-management, managing those emotions, So just because it comes up doesn't mean that you're in control. It can come up and it can go west, east, it can go in any direction. So the second quadrant is like, how do you manage that? How do you manage that emotion that's coming up for you? Um, The third one was recognizing other people's emotions. So not only seeing mine and being able to manage mine, but being able to identify yours. I say something to you, how you react, I can see it and I know now how to shift it. And then the fourth thing is managing that, managing someone else's emotions right? Not letting things escalate, not letting things get out of control, right? I say something, I see your reaction, adjusting my reaction to your reaction and I'm moving now. Mm. And I've always had that definition stuck in my mind. Just how can I control this four quadrant? What's coming up for me? How am I controlling it? What's coming up for them? How am I controlling it? And just live life through that. Every single interaction that I have, I just lived life through those four quadrants. Um, and when you practice something enough and you do it over and over and over again, and I wasn't great at it at first, horrible, Emotion comes out for me, it comes out how I felt it. Probably not the best way. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of people, maybe men specifically, we haven't worked on those first two quadrants that like, you know, the feeling it and not pushing it down, actually feeling it. And uh, the, the self-management of that emotion, you know what I mean? Doing something, doing something proactive with it, something good with it um, to move the needle, to help 
um, get rid of that feeling. You know, what you do with the emotion is going to really help you on how you kind of um, manage it. And so for me, it was just those are the kind of and sports is a great example. Just yelling, you know, what I mean, getting really mad at a call. That's an emotion, right? I'm upset about a play. The emotion comes out. Now, do you think yelling at the ref is probably the like? I'm probably going to get kicked out of this game. Mm. You know what I mean? And I get kicked out of the game. My team suffers. I suffer. That's a losing reaction to my emotion. You know what I mean? Where all I was trying to get across is, hey, I didn't agree with your call, right? So now, how do I work through this? And it takes. I'm telling you, I got kicked out of plenty of games. It takes a lot of practice. <laughs> it takes a lot of back and forth of feeling that emotion and practicing that like response and being like okay my goal here is to stay in this game and help him understand what i did on that play that i thought was right and what he didn't think was right and figure that out and now how can i get better by the emotion that was provoked in me at first right and that's the game i was playing and it was really when i started understanding you know emotional intelligence that's when i actually felt like i was smart it was the first time in my life i was like no you're smart like Interesting. Why? Why did you feel that way? Because your answers, right? When you work on something enough, just like anything, I could be IQ smart too. I just didn't put in the reps. Like I said, I gave it lazy effort. Mm. But emotionally, I was giving 100% effort all the time. I was studying the relationships that I was in. I would practice. So once you practice something enough times, like now even saying it to you, it's like, there's probably a kid out there right now who's, who's getting technicals left, right, and centers is going to hear that and go, oh, my goal is to stay in this game. Mm-hmm. Right. So the answers I'm getting to now with this practice of like feeling my emotions, seeing it, seeing their reaction, that constant practice, I've gotten great answers. I've gotten great results. And that's why I mean by when you get good results, that's when you start feeling smart. Mm-hmm. You know, the same thing shows up. A fight breaks out. It escalates how you handle it. Your first time doesn't go so well. How you handle it the second time gets better. It slowly starts to you're like, wow, I can deescalate a situation quick. And then now someone who can't do it is like, how did you do that? And you're like, oh, I'll show you. I feel like I'm smart because mm. I know how to deal with this situation. But that's only because I practice this situation over and over again and you've never practiced it. Mm-hmm. So it's not really, I've always said smart and dumb is not a very good way of you know, putting people into, it's effort. How much effort have you put into something? Because you're going to feel great about it if you've put in a lot of effort and you're not going to feel great about it if you're not. You know, uh, This is a little bit off topic, but I, the example that I always give about smart and dumb is if we came to a classroom, right, in university, and they'll ask you about, you know, your, your kind of um, feelings of EQ and IQ. But if you go to university, you get into a class. This is an example that came up with a long time ago. And you're sitting in an auditorium and the, t- the professor asks a really, really hard question. Like tough. Everyone's dead quiet. It's crickets in there. One person puts up their hand and they give the answer. And the prof goes, that's correct. It's exactly right. What does the rest of the class feel about that person? That they're the smart Alec, that maybe their teacher's pets. That they're smart. Yeah, 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 that they're very smart, right? A hundred of us don't know what's going on. You know what's going on. Mm. What if I told you all that person did was read the slides before the class, slides that you had? Mm. It's the only reason why they knew the answer to that question. Are they smart or did they put in the work? Mm. (laughs) Like all they did, you got the same slide deck they did. They just decided to read it before the class. The teacher asked a hard question from a slide deck that you have. And the person just put up their hand and said, this is the answer based on the information that you gave me. Mm. But the perception of that person is you're smart. Right. It's not a smart or dumb game here. It's, it's who's done the work and who hasn't done the work. Mm. That's all it is. That's all it's ever been. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I've always kind of, like you know, that. that's how I've always kind of thought about, you know, 
um, emotional intelligence and IQ, but it was the first time I actually felt like proud. Like I was like, I'm, I think I'm good at this. Mm. You know, where schools, there was times where I was like, I'm not good at this. Um, well, what about for you? What's kind of your kind of just life example of like when you kind of notice the difference between EQ, did you notice that you felt EQ or, mm. um, or what was your kind of, well, just before I get into that story, I find it interesting that, you know, there's a couple of things that I attached to in your story, which was how I think a lot of us don't recognize that we are when we're growing up forming an understanding of emotional intelligence, but just based off our own experience with our parents. I think that's the biggest one. We don't want to make them angry or we don't want to make them sad or you know, we're doing all of these things to empathize with them. So that's why you said the first two self-awareness and self-management are the ones that we miss because as men, we're so focused on the other two. The, um, the third one being um, what you said, recognizing other people. So that's the yeah. empathy side. And then the fourth one, which is the how to manage that now, which is the social skills side. We're so focused on those two that we just neglect how to self-manage and self become self-aware. And that a lot of that comes from our upbringing and our parents and trying to make them happy. Do you, I, I push back on that. You think that men focus on the empathetic one. I feel like that's where men fail the most. Yeah. I mean, I think just, I feel it, like we are, that's the part that women trump us like day over day, over day, over day, over is the ability to see an emotion in somebody else and mm. be empathetic to it. I, I feel like we fail as men. We fail on that. That's the part that I would think that we fail. At I feel like we only fail at it because we don't manage it well. I feel like as men, we feel a lot more than we ever admit. And so I think that it's, we empathize, but we just don't know how to acknowledge or express that. So we missed step two because we haven't come into terms with ourselves yet on what that feeling is or what that emotion is. But we're in a sense, like we acknowledge that you are upset, like we see it, but we don't know how to regulate any of that, right? So if I made you upset, I feel in a sense, maybe I feel bad, but I'm more concerned with like how to make you stop feeling bad than I'm How do I put out the fire? How do I put out the fire? Then how do I deal with what caused the fire? Exactly. And so I feel like empathy is still something we feel, but we just don't have any idea or sense of what to do with it. And then the social skills, social skills side is just a whole different element because we're trying to always impress right? We're trying to prove ourselves to that group and prove ourselves to this group and succeed over there. And so we're in a way deciphering the social skills in a sense, but only from the, almost an IQ quotient, right? Almost the intelligence quotient where I'll show you my intelligence and you'll think better of me, right? But if I show you my emotion, well, that's too much. That's too much of me. So I'm going to hold back, but I'm still aware of my social skills. So it's just interesting to hear that. So when you grew up then, you said you focus more on the EQ than the IQ. Do you feel like that affected how you acted as a man growing up? Do you feel like you were segregated because that was the sense? Do you feel like that not hindered you, but do you feel like it affected the way that maybe people saw you or in a positive or negative light? How did that impact the way you grew up? Uh, I, I think that it was... It as was a man, of course. I think that it was, it was almost needed to be honest. Like I gave that example of like being aware of your surroundings. Like, you know, when you, when you grow up in neighborhoods that aren't safe and aren't like you, you can't afford to not be emotionally intelligent. Mm. You know what I mean? There's a danger. There's a, there's a fear factor involved. You know mm. what I mean? I was the oldest. I was the, I was the older brother. You know what I mean? So there was just this heightened awareness of just, you know, I'm not trying to ruffle any feathers. I'm trying to make sure I'm as safe as possible, which means I need to be aware of what's going on around me. Um, 
And so for me, and it was just one of those things where I just naturally gravitated towards relationships. I've mm. always been that way. I've been a people person my whole entire life. And so I got, a, I got a lot of excitement and joy versus being in your room and doing an assignment. That, mm. that just never really brought me any joy. It always felt like a chore. It never was exciting. It never was fun. But being around people, being in team sports and trying to figure out how to like get to this common goal and there's all these human beings and they all feel a different thing. And that was fun to me. That was mm. like, that was a game. That was, you know. And so I didn't know that I was like picking EQ versus IQ at the time. Uh, and I think that I would, going back, I would love to have put more effort towards IQ, right? Mm. There's a limiting, there's a limiting factor to just being all e- EQ, no IQ, right? Huge limiting. You know, I wish there was a little bit more uh, intention of like, hey, how can I use ac- like academic resources and learning as a way to kind of push my message, my story, everything forward, like what aligns, you know what I mean? And maybe it would take me down a different path, but I believe, I believe that, you know, you know, there's a plan for you and I am now way more invested in, um, and I'm also noticing that like a lot of EQ stuff take a lot, takes a lot more introvertedness. You know what I mean? As I kind of found my, as I kind of found my introverted personality, like I was a 12 out of 10 extrovert as a kid, like 12 out of 10. Being by myself with a piece of paper and a task was just like, that's not me at all. Zero percent of me was like that. Um, And so I needed someone, I needed a high amount of accountability at the time to be forced to put in that situation. So be forced to sit sit down, you're gonna do this assignment, you know? And what did you learn from this assignment? I almost needed like someone to be really on top of me because it wasn't natural for me. Um, As I found my introverted side, as I got older, I'm noticing I'm learning a lot more. Cause I like being by myself. I like the, like the, the process of, okay, how do I figure this out? I'm enjoying that process more. And therefore my, you know, my intelligence in that realm is starting to develop now. Mm. Um, it's starting to pick up and it's starting to become, you know, it's catching up to my, what I would say, emotional intelligence. Um, cause I've put in a lot of effort in the emotional intelligence side of things. Cause I was naturally gravitated to that. I naturally enjoyed that. It mm. was easy. So just before we move on, I know I keep asking you these questions, but there's so much that's coming up for me. I think that, I just love the concept of emotional intelligence as you do. Mm -hmm. And when I grew up, I kind of did the similar thing where I just started to realize that there was so much value in it and I've taken courses in it and I support people with it. And one thing that I recognize in the men's space from men's Facebook groups and this podcast and other men's podcasts is that there are specific emotions that men struggle with the most. It's not a whole, I think that we label men as just sucking at emotion. Every emotion that's out there, men suck at it. They don't know how to feel it. They don't understand it. Right. But I think it's more of a, what we've chosen to pick and choose as the important ones or the ones that we're okay to feel, or we've been told by society that's okay to feel. When you went through the space and even today now, what is the one emotion or two emotions, whatever it is that you still struggle with? And how do you go about managing those? Cause it could be anger, could be sadness. It honestly, I think in a lot of cases, it's actually for men, it's happiness. Is there an emotion that you struggle with feeling or acknowledging? And if there is, how do you go about managing that and expressing that? Hmm. That's a great question. I'm going to first go kind of back a little bit and say that like emotional intelligence also, by the way, EQ and IQ, there isn't a, there isn't a lack of like, there is men with high IQ, men with high EQ. There's lack, there's, there's, there's all into the spectrum. Um, There is just a little bit more because to be, really successful in business, you have to have a high level of you like emotional. Like if you're a salesperson, you gotta understand emotions, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot of areas where men have been really successful and they've used emotions to kind of get there. Um, on that note, actually, I feel like I'll counter that for a second. I feel like men 
have learned how to manipulate emotion. See, that's where we're warming up the conversation now. Right. Right? So like emotional intelligence as a concept, because I don't want people to think that we're talking about here that like men don't have emotional intelligence. It's how we're using it. Right. We use the ones that we need. We avoid the ones that we're like, this looks like work. Mm. You know what I mean? But we leverage the good ones. And I think that to be a little bit more, to be really like emotionally intelligent is to like be dealing with everything that comes up. Not, hey, I'm going to use this one and I'm going to push this one. I'm going to use this one. I'm going to push this one. We're playing this little weird game with ourselves. where, mm. um, And it's, it shows up a lot in relationships. Yes. Shows up huge in relationships. We're, you're like, I'm emotionally smart. Look at all my friends. Look at all this social. Like It, it takes take, to be popular, to have the social skills and stuff like that. You need to be emotionally intelligent. You can't, can't get to move a locker room. You know what I mean? To, like, you need emotions to mm. get all those things done. Um, but then there's a ceiling for some men. It just like once it gets to that point and then all the feathers get ruffled when they get into a relationship where they're like, shit, I got to use those ones too. Nah, mm. hate those ones. You know what I mean? Um, and you put a good point earlier when you said that um, they want to put out the fire and not figure out what the fire is. That's how I feel like men deal with emotions. Mm. We deal with them when we got to put the fire out. We don't really care or want to deal with what caused the fire. Right. That's a little bit of the problem sometimes because mm-hmm. we get too we get too really good at putting out fires we're great but at fixing problems great at fixing problems it's our favorite thing to do and we know what emotions to use to fix the problem too empathy right here right now got it boom insert fixing a problem fix the problem fix the problem where we lack is the ability to or where some men lack not all men where some of us are kind of holding back is this acceptance of like sometimes you don't have to solve every problem you just need to understand what's going on. And we can't, we can't deal with that. That's hard. Like, no, we're not going to solve the problem. You know what I mean? And sometimes, and women are great at this. Women will have, when women are talking, there is, sometimes there's no solution. We're mm. just talking. Like, this is how I'm feeling. And it just is an open conversation and there's no conclusion to the conversation. Mm. We just go left and we go right and we just talked about it. And now it's in the air. And now next time this maybe comes up, be conscious of this gives me this feeling type of thing. Mm-hmm. Not men. We're like, why? That's why when like men, like sometimes when a, like a female brings up a problem that you think she's being too extra, which is your feeling of saying that emotion doesn't deserve the attention yet. Like, let me know when it's on fire. I'll put it out. Mm. And then we go to these of like, I'm not dealing with that right now. I don't want to deal with that right now. Where does that, where does that saying even come from? I don't want to deal with that right now. Basically is the house to me is not on fire yet. You're just make, you're just being extra because you're bringing up something that's too premature in my mind. It's coming up for you and you want to deal with it now because you're feeling it come up and you're like, tell me when it's here. Mm-hmm. Then I'll deal with it because I'm good at that. Right. I'm good at putting out the fire. Which is way less emotional intelligence and way more emotional manipulation. Way more. And that's why we have these fights like we let things build up and we always have these big fights and we solve them. Mm-hmm. But God forbid I bring up something to you lightly at breakfast. Right. That isn't the problem yet. And you're, and then your response is, is this a big deal right now? I hope some men are hearing themselves right now. Like it's, those are the times when you say things like that. It's basically someone saying, Hey, I'm feeling an emotion and I want to kind of address it lightly before it gets to the boiling point, but you want to deal with it at the boiling point. Right. I don't want to deal with it on its way up. Yeah. I just want to deal with it at the top. We prefer reactivity over proactivity, for sure. There's a good quote that I want to attach to what you're saying from Mad Talks. And it says, so many men have been conditioned that when their partner becomes emotional, they need to change something about themselves. 
So it's this idea that even if it's that moment where you said, Hey, this is kind of sort of bothering me because we don't know how to do it. We just take it personally. And all of a sudden we feel like that, whatever they're feeling means I need to just be a completely different person. So again, there's another level of emotional manipulation in that, in that process where we just, we, we haven't done the education on understanding what to do with it. We don't know how to be proactive. So as soon as something's brought up, it's as if the fire is there in our own mind. And so our ego super tripped and our self-worth is super tripped. Both those things we don't know how to manage because we're never taught. So in this quote saying men have been conditioned that when their partner becomes emotional, they need to change something about themselves uh, is just so inherently wrong. Cause we're not bad people. And it attests to something I said in the last episode where it's not me against you. It's both of us against the problem. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the same thing with emotions and understanding how to empathize and have that ability between the two is, um, you know, you're free to have your emotions too. In those moments, if you're feeling triggered by whatever they brought up, you're free to have that emotion, right? You don't have to block that and just act like it never happens. Um, but it's, have you learned how to socially manage that with that person? And Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. So, sorry, coming full circle, I feel like I cut you off. Was there an emotion that you struggled with? Uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't actually even get to that point. Um, <laughs> we kind of went to a different, different we, kind of conversation because there was something there that I was wanted to kind of get to. But, whoo, is there an emotion that I feel like I struggled with? I think... I think maybe sad. Mm. I think sad is one that I often never let come up. Always push that one down because I don't like the feeling. Right. I don't like the feeling of sad. And, um, which I think is natural. I think it's natural for a lot of people. Um, sad is very uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable feeling. I'm trying to think of one that like it was an actual, um, Cause sad was when I had to learn on my own, you know, I had to learn on my own that it was okay to be sad, you know, mm, well, that, but. that wasn't even, that wasn't even a th- something I had to learn from the universe or I had to learn through people. It was an Anwar versus Anwar emotion I had to deal with. Like, Hey dude, it's okay to be sad, man. Like, it's all good. Like I know people expect you to be this positive person and they expect your energy when they see you, there's an expectation that they have for you. Like they're like, this guy makes me laugh or this guy makes me. And so they just show up with this expectation of like, I can't wait to see this person. Um, and so you start feeling like, damn, I can't be sad because everyone expects me to be happy all the time. You know, everyone like they'll show up. And even if I was having, I remember when I was like younger, even if I was having a mellow day, I was just having like a calm day. Nothing was really going on. People come up to me and be like, are you okay? Mm. Are you okay? And he, bo- he used to bother me. Like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just not like jumpy and like trying to make you laugh today. You know what I mean? Like, um, but then I had to realize that like people just want, they just have an expectation of you because they just like, they think that you bring them joy They're You know what I mean? And it wasn't, I, I could be okay with just saying to them like, yeah, yeah, sorry. Like, I'm just like, I'm just in a bit of a mellow mood today. And they would be fine with that. But I was getting defensive. I'd get defensive. I'd be like, is it okay? I, I, no one's allows me to be like normal. I can't have a calm day. I can't. So I definitely can't be sad. If I can't even have a calm day, God forbid being sad. Like that's like, geez, that'd throw them way off. That'll throw everybody way off. Um, Do you feel like part of the process was because you're a man and you're supposed to have that figured out? Or was that just something that you felt? Maybe, maybe my feeling towards like um, thinking that being sad was like, like, you know, like there's no room for that Mm. was probably coming from the idea of like, bro, you can't be sad. You got to be tough. Mm. The hell? Mm -hmm. Sad for who? For what? You're supposed to be strong. This problem? This is nothing. 
what, what would the boys think if I told them I was sad about this? Like, are you like, what would what, what what kind of feedback would I get if I told someone I was like, you know, I was I was sad about this situation or whatever? And it's funny, man. Like, guys will break up with girls and they'll genuinely be sad about it, mm-hmm. but they won't be able to like actually say how sad they are to their friends. Isn't that crazy? It's br- like, it's brutal. And I've I've been there. Bro, you're like so bro. You're broken. You're like so freaking sad. Like you're so upset about the situation, and you can't even show up to your homies and even express that for real. Mm-hmm. You have to just like pretend like you're good. Like you know what I mean? Like pull up and you're like, how how to, how's it going? Yeah, man. It's it's whatever, man. It's all right. And like maybe you have maybe you have like a tough man cry or whatever, but like you never really fully explain how sad you are, and therefore you never really deal with it. Mm-hmm. You, it just gets kind of pushed down, forgotten. And then done, you know what I mean? And it's over. And then your relationship with that emotion is like, is, is, is not authentic. Cause you don't, you don't have an authentic relationship with sadness. You just kind of buried it and put it under the rug type of thing. Mm. Um, so to tie the loop on that, how do you currently manage sadness now that you are in this, you know, almost 30 state? Mm, I'm okay with being sad now. Yeah. Yeah. To me, sad is like a, it's sad as a reminder. I use, I use the emotion of sad of like what's going on around me right now. Sad is a sad, sad is a is a is a is a very good w- awakening thought for me, because um, sad isn't as bad as pessimistic. When my mind gets pessimistic versus gets sad, it's different. Mm. Sad to me is like, um, it's the 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 combat to me. Sad is like is hope and optimism. You know, so usually if I get sad, the bounce back to that is like. I'm optimistic. I'm happy. Like I usually bounce back from sad very, very well when I just mm. accept it and, you know, and I move on from it and I'm like, man, I wish I like, you know, I wanted that promotion and like, I'm sad that I didn't get that promotion, but I'm gonna work two times harder to get the next one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It usually gives me more energy. Like when I lean into sad, I try to feel it. I try to get into it. You know, same, same thing that probably, you know, Pat Mahomes is feeling right now. He's probably sad. Lean into that. Use the sad. You know what mm. I mean? I kind of love using sad and just being so upset because you didn't get what you wanted and using it to kind of have a little bit more of a triumph story. Mm. So I love sad now. Like sad is like sad and adversity are two things that I love. When I'm fighting adversity, I'm like, I'm exactly where I want to be. The more adversity I feel, I'm just like, I'm fighting for something. I feel like I, I, there's a reason why I'm getting up right now. Um, and those are two those are two things that I had to learn to address. Like adversity making it positive and sadness making that positive um but that was probably the biggest one for me sad being okay with being sad um it's all about the comeback story after that like when Mm. you get sad what are you doing after you know what i mean sad is like when someone passes away like you're gonna feel sad right right um it's what you do after you know um absolutely you touch on a good thing that i want to bring up is the idea that some emotions are either good or bad I feel like that's a big conversation around men is like, I'm allowed to have some emotions cause they're good and other mo- emotions are bad. We actually, you know, it's, it would be interesting to ask a man and do a poll on what they have been taught as a bad or a good emotion. But what I find interesting is what you mentioned, there's the sadness part that you felt, right? You knew what sadness was, but you were learning a lesson from sadness in a sense. You were trying to decipher where the, where the sad came from. And at the same time, you knew that there was happiness in a sense, on the other side, right? And so what I want to attach to is if you don't choose to feel the sadness, then it's going to be really hard for you to understand the full extent of happiness. Hundo. Right? You have to understand both sides of the spectrum and that's why they exist. 
That's why there isn't only just happiness in the world. Because if there was only happiness, you wouldn't value it the same. But right now there's sadness and there's, there's, I don't know, maybe depression, anxiety, overwhelm, anger. There's all these other emotions that don't feel good. But if there was things that only felt good, like I said, you would just wouldn't value them. They wouldn't feel as good as they do. You wouldn't understand them. It would just be the way of life. So that's why there's polar opposites of the spectrum, good and bad, uh, healthy, unhealthy, all these things. So you appreciate what's on the other side of that spectrum. But you can't, and if you're denying anger, if you're denying sadness, if you're denying the difficult emotions, then I actually think that's one of the reasons why men struggle to feel happy or like feel good with a, something they succeeded at or accomplished because through the whole process, they were denying the struggle. They were denying the pain that came with it. They were denying the sadness, the turmoil, the whatever ended up happening that really hit them hard in that moment. They just deflected it. Mm-hmm. But then the success came. And that's supposed to be a really happy moment. And they're like, okay, what's next? It just, it just doesn't exist. And if it does, it's really short. Or it's a night out on the town and then all of a sudden we're just back into the grind the next day. It's just different right? mm-hmm. because we're not acknowledging both sides of the spectrum. So I like that you, you touched on that. It brought up a really, a really good point. So Kyle, you kind of kind of caught me with a with a little surprise question there. I wasn't really ready for the you know what emotion that I struggle with specifically. So I'm gonna throw it right back at you. Is there any, what emotions did you struggle with you know growing up that you weren't fully expressing or you maybe suppressed because you thought you were a man or just because you know those were the ones that you just didn't feel the most comfortable with. I feel like sadness in relation to your response wasn't something that I was struggling with. I feel like sadness was something that I was good with growing up. I never felt that. So I feel like I relate well to what you were saying. Um, I think that what I have found is maybe more of like the happiness concept. And that's kind of why I brought it up is I think that the emotion that I have struggled with, I think there's two, there's anger and there's happiness. Uh, anger being, I just never knew what to do with it. I've expressed this before. I've had anger management classes when I was younger. I punched holes in walls. I self-inflicted pain. I did a lot of anger expressing in a sense, but just never in a really healthy way. And I think even still to this day, when I get angry, my instinct is to shut off. It's to shut down because then I won't have to feel it as much. And then it'll slowly go away and then I'll be able to come back to the situation but I don't allow it to hold space. But what I like about what you said with, I think sadness it was, is that it was teaching you something. And I think that's what I've tried to learn as often as possible is it doesn't matter what emotion it is, sadness, anger, happiness, jealousy, fear, any emotion, they're trying to tell us something, Mm -hmm. right? They're trying to tell us something about the situation that we either like or don't like or makes us feel uncomfortable or we haven't healed from or what have like they're all there to, to tell us something. So when I was angry, I never knew that growing up. I never understood what that meant. So I really struggled with anger and coming full circle to, you know, being almost 29 years old now, I feel like I've come a really long way, but I still feel a slight conditioning to turn it off. I still feel that a little bit. I, and I think that comes from not wanting to feel it. A, I don't want to feel anger. It's uncomfortable. feels wrong. Uh, I have a poor history with it. B, I don't fully know how to express it yet. And I also, I also fear expressing that emotion, like saying, looking at you and be like, look, I'm angry right now. 
Mm. Like admitting that confrontational feels weird. Yeah. And it's confrontational. So I don't know how to do that yet. I'm still learning because there's nothing inherently wrong with me telling you I'm angry. There's nothing wrong with that except for my fear of your reaction. But I actually don't know what that's going to look like. If I tell you I'm angry, how are you going to respond? That's a good question. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if the receiver is even ready for, I don't think no one teaches you how to deal with when someone says to you in a nice way. In a night, exactly. I'm angry. Right? <laughs> I'm angry right now. But it doesn't look like you're angry. And I think that's where the confusion is. I tell you I'm angry. You look at me. No, you don't look angry. This might be a good, might be a good point. And so then it's that, well, that will A, show me maybe I'm not as angry as I thought. A, B, can you even show anger in a different, like, can you even show anger with just like a calm voice? Yeah. Can I, like, is that allowed? Can you just be yeah. like, Hey, <laughs> I'm angry. Like, I with feel like you smile on your face. Like that's the, I, look, I'll be honest with you. I'm pretty angry right now. Like they, they probably wouldn't take you seriously though. No, I feel like they're expecting to be angry. You have to express it that way. Right. And that might be what's wrong with anger as a whole entire emotion to, to mm. cause you're not allowed to, ex- if, you, if I was laughing, then you're not going to take me seriously. Mm. I'm not going to actually think I'm angry. But if I, if I give you the death stare and I say I'm angry, I'm like, oh, you're angry. Right. <laughs> like, you know what right. I mean? There's definitely different ways to go about it for sure. And I've, ne- I've never known what to do with that. And so I just don't admit it. Also too, I feel like when I express that I'm angry, I would fear being judged. Like guys aren't supposed to be angry, but in a weird way, we kind of are because people tell us that's all we are. There's a weird stigma with anger, which I've always misunderstood, but that's why I don't tell people I'm angry. I just keep that emotion inside. I feel it. And then I try to do something different with it. Right. And that's how they teach you to deal with anger, right? Is right. to find a way to manage it. Right. And rather than actually let it come out. Like, admit it. Exactly. Admit it. Own it. It's a part of us. And I think that's what I only really learned in the last couple of years is that every emotion that I feel is important. There is none in the process that are not important. And that includes fear. That includes jealousy. That includes the ones that we look at in a pessimistic way. All of those are important because if I don't feel those, I won't be able to connect with myself deeper and I won't be able to connect with you deeper. So if I'm jealous about something, that's going to allow us to have a conversation and connect. As long as, again, I'm willing to become aware, A, of the emotion, B, own the emotion, and then C, figure out how to regulate that with not only myself, but with whoever else is involved, right? But if I keep it in, I'm still aware of it, but I'm definitely not regulating it. And if I am, it's in an unhealthy way. I'm suppressing it. I'm hiding it. For sure. And then also to kind of add to that, just to kind of you know hijack that real quick, how can you be... How can I be empathetic to your emotions if I don't even deal with them myself? True. Like if I don't, like if every emotion is not important to me and I don't allow all of them to kind of come up naturally and deal with them and feel with them. Well, when I see it in somebody else, I'm not going to be empathetic to it because I don't even respect that emotion. You know, if I'm like, hey, there's no, I don't respect jealousy. I don't think it should be a thing that you should feel. Now, when you're jealous, I'm like, why are you jealous? As if like they have no value in that feeling. Right. Because I'm not, I don't do jealousy. I don't allow that feeling, even though it comes up for me, I just become a professional suppressor mm-hmm. every time that emotion comes up. And then now when someone else comes up with that emotion that you don't necessarily deal with, you're like judging them for even feeling that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it lacks the ability to, and maybe, you know, not facts, nothing at all, but maybe that's why women have this more on the empathetic scale because they allow themselves to feel every emotion. So when it comes up and it surfaces in other people, they can be more empathetic towards it. Mm. Right. Where men were just like, what do you mean you're sad, bro? Because I don't deal with sad. So for you to deal with sad, it's weird. 
right? Or what, jealous for what, bro? But really what I'm saying is I don't get jealous. I don't deal with jealousy is what I'm saying to this individual. Right, right? So that's kind of what just came up to me when you were talking there. And I think that it's actually very, like, it's very profound. Like, it's very, like, if you think about it, like, it's, it really kind of, how you deal with others is ultimately kind of how you're dealing with yourself, especially in the men's space, you know? Which, which leads me, I love this. This is great. Which leads me into the concept that I don't know if any, everybody's familiar with, but I had to learn is that any relationship that you have, friendship, family, family relationship, intimate relationship, acquaintance, whatever. If they say or do something and you feel off about it, it has nothing to do with them and it has everything to do with you. So if you tell me that you're sad and I'm over here like, why are you sad? It's because your sadness is holding a mirror up to my inability to understand sadness. So you're reflecting that back at me every single time. So same thing with jealousy. You're jealous about something. I'm over here insecure about my jealousy and my, I haven't faced it and I've been jealous or currently am jealous and don't know what to do with it. So you're triggering me right now, not intentionally. And you're basically saying to me, this is your experience. I'm trying to deal with it. And over here, I'm like, holy shit, holy shit, jealousy, holy shit, holy shit. I don't understand jealousy. I don't understand jealousy. Bro, why are you jealous? <laughs> you know, like I come at you with it. Like, why would you feel that? Because I don't want to feel, I don't want to understand it. And so that's with every relationship that we have is there's mirrors being put up and that's why we feel triggered. It has nothing to do with them and has everything to do with us. So I like that. Second piece to add to that is you mentioned that the female side often feels more empathetic, right? If you look at the history of men growing up uh, as kids, there is a, a specific age, and I don't know exactly what it is, where things really change for both sides. Where as a young girl, let's say, right? You're at your fifth birthday party and something goes wrong. You just have an absolute cry. You just bawl and you just, you're just overloaded with emotions. Oh, it's okay, honey. Like, it's okay. Like it'll get better. It's okay. Uh, it's okay to cry. You know, get your emotions out. Now tell me that same thing happens to a five-year-old boy. When you're a five-year-old boy and you start crying because something goes wrong, there is such a rare occasion where someone is coming to you and saying it's okay to cry. No way. Be and that's, I'm using five as a generalization. I don't know exactly when it happens. Just it changes, like, but just the concept. Generally men are kind of just the concept. So boys. that is that moment. We don't come out of the womb thinking I'm, I'm, a, I'm an emotional suppressor. You know, just come out of the womb and be like, yeah, this is what I am. No, everything we do is conditioned and learned. So for us, when we're, in an adult stage and we're suppressing emotions at some point in our childhood, it started and it said, stop feeling that, right? We know that boys don't cry, toughen up, be strong, but we didn't come out of the womb like that. We were not born that way. We were told to be that way by something in our childhood. And that is one of the differences between the relations is that the whole time women have been taught by other women to feel their emotions and men the whole time have been taught to not deal their, with their emotions by other men. Or no, no man was there to kind of even or guide no, them through those emotions. Exactly. So the woman or the mother at that point is like, what do I do with this? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where we were at advantage where we were mostly raised by our mothers. And so our emotions were embraced more. Right, because her emotions were embraced more. But if the other side was more prevalent, we would we would be completely different people. Our emotional intelligence would not be that high because we would have had that traditional man come through and say, "Stop crying, right? Stop feeling that. 
mm-hmm. right? It doesn't feel good. Stop. Don't feel that anger, right? Or if you do, make sure it's an absolute explosion, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so coming back into your question of what one did I struggle with? Um, it was anger. And then it was sadness. Or sorry, uh, it was happiness. I wasn't dealing with the negative. So I sure as hell wasn't going to be able to deal with the positive. So it's actually something I still struggle with. And I think that this might relate to a lot of men out there is I feel like there's a point where you just, you, there's always something more you should be doing or, or can do. Like there's a, I feel like there's a pressure with that. You can succeed. You can get more money, right? Men Never. are, t- men are taught money. Women are taught beauty. We're taught money. So there's, there's, that's an endless road. There is never enough of that in a sense. And so we're taught that that's where we go. So our emotional side is just attached to that. Once that comes, we feel good. Once it goes, we don't feel good. And so we're constantly chasing. And I find that I've fallen. And to to make that bigger providing. Exactly. Right. If it's not money, just getting it done to provide. Right. And there's never, like you could continue to provide for so many people. Like there isn't ever like, Mm -hmm. it's never an end. So if it's not money specifically, like that might be a little bit pigeonholy, but providing Mm -hmm. as a concept. And when Mm -hmm. we're not providing, we feel like garbage. Exactly. So that's what we're told. So we're essentially told that we live a life that's only predicated on this. And women have that same experience. Uh, There's this Hank Green guy on TikTok. And he said this really well. It's guys berate women for being so obsessed with makeup videos and tutorials. But then we're out here just as obsessed with how to wake up at 4am every morning. Like we're the same thing. It's just on separate sides and sports. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like it's, it's the same one, spectrum. One house, the highlights, like actually, yeah. <laughs> I think I live on house, the highlights. Like I could be Omar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's this, this, this separation, which I find interesting, but it, it falls in line with, my inability to kind of feel happiness is that I just feel like I haven't accomplished enough quote, quote, and that's not based on my own standards. That's based on the standards I've adopted. And so my happiness won't come through fully and I won't, I won't receive it because I'm not, I feel allowed to receive it. I'm not allowed to feel happy because if I feel happy, you see me happy, then that must mean I did something. That must mean I accomplished something. That must mean I've provided for something. If I haven't, the hell are you happy for? You're a man. You haven't done enough yet. Right. So it's been difficult for me to experience that. So for me on that sense, um, it's been something I've been trying to learn over, honestly, I think the last year, it's really fresh for me on how to figure out what that looks like. And even just day to day, you know, Mm -hmm. did I accomplish enough today? If I didn't, and again, accomplish quote in air quotes, then am I, do I deserve to be happy today? Which is so absurd saying it out loud, but it's real. Yeah, it's, it's the whole idea of like focusing on the finish line and not the journey. Exactly. Right? It's this idea that we'll be happy when we're at the end, you know, and kind of tying that nicely back to sadness as well is that we had this little kind of conversation yesterday, but it's crazy to me that like when you accomplish, so when you get to the finish line and you've exhausted yourself, every time I've seen a man in that position, I just won the Super Bowl and I'm crying now on TV because I've won the Super Bowl. No judgment. No judgment. There's zero judgment if you get to the end of the journey and you show your emotion. Zero. God forbid you show the emotion on the journey though. God forbid you cry on the way to the Mm. finish line. Then now you're not man enough. You're not tough enough. You're not this. You're not that. But if I get to the end, if if it's my Kevin Durant moment and I'm holding the MVP trophy and I'm crying and I'm saying, mom, you're the real MVP. It's being shared all over the world. He's the biggest man. He's, he's top boy. He's awesome. There's no judgment. But if you cry before that moment, 
there's something that comes that's different. It's a different mm. feeling. It's a different vibe. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's so much I feel like on men that's put on this finish line for us that we're not allowed to like feel and do and just like be until the finish line. And so for us, what we've adopted is I'll cry at that point. I'll feel at that point because I know in my head that they're not going to judge me when I get there Mm -hmm. because I've accomplished it. I've done it all. What are you going to say to me now? I can Mm -hmm. cry. Everything I've been burying for years is going to come out right in this moment, in this Oscar speech right here. It's going to come out. And what we're combating here is, bro, if you got to feel that emotion in the second quarter, get it out because you're going to have a better third quarter if you feel that second quarter. Mm Mm-hmm. And the ability to feel and move, feel and move, feel and move is going to create way more momentum for you. Mm. So don't think about this finish line as much as the journey. The journey is more important and the journey isn't a suppressed journey. It's a, it's a life is a feeling experience. Mm. You got to feel to know where you're going. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's just not enough. There's just not enough. Like the same things going on. And we talk about that in the, like the black culture, right? We just don't have enough black people in positions where we can just like aspire to or be inspired by. We talk about this idea of visualization. There isn't any visuals of men being upset or showing fatigue or whatever in the journey and it being like a thumbs up. There's only visuals of men crying at the end mm-hmm. and the getting a thumbs up in every movie. Think about the movie. It's just this guy just gets to the end. The emotions come out. It's like, yeah, he got to the finish line, my guy. Show me. Where is the emotion before that though? Because it's there. It's there, obviously. 100%. They just never display it. They never display that like, hey, yo, you could feel sad early, bro. You could not have it figured out. You could not have it figured out at all. But it's the way it's, it's, the way it's portrayed. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're creatures of storylines. And I think that that storyline has just been very well documented and very well kind of just... And I think we need to kind of change it a little bit. Yeah, it brings up like for me the storyline that I was thinking about almost the whole time you were talking there was uh, weddings. Guys cry in a wedding and everyone's like, oh, he's in love. Oh, he's so in love. That's so beautiful. Look at him. And there's videotape and he's just absolutely bawling. Right. But I feel like at that moment, how much has he cried before that moment? How many people have seen him cry before that moment? Probably almost none of them um, because it, it's not as socially acceptable anymore. Right. It's just you've that's the finish line in a sense, right? You've accomplished the the wedding. So that's the finish line. You accomplished it. Now you're allowed to cry. You've done all the hard work, quote, quote. You've done what you're told to do. So it's a very similar situation. It's better to the Tom Brady moment of crying and getting that out there. Or the opposite. You're allowed to cry when you're on the other way out. Mm, right. And then it's like, oh, well, you're at the bureau. You're going to break. Mm. Okay, you're allowed to cry now. We'll help you. We'll help you. But like, there's only two points for us to cry. Either we're at the very end of it and we can't handle anymore. And it's my last cry for hope. Or it's the finish line. Keyword last cry for hope. Because I actually feel like in those moments of anguish and struggle and stuff like that. Like um, the opposite side of the spectrum of obviously having the wedding and achieving that. Uh, I don't feel from my experience that it's, I felt okay with expressing those emotions. Until it's at the point where I'm like, I'm done. Then I'm allowed. Because then I'm, oh, whoa, this is serious. Whoa, he's serious. But before that, it's not taken seriously. So then I can't express that. It doesn't make sense to people. Why are you not strong enough? Why are you not capable enough? You're a man, right? You're a man. You got this. Stop worrying about it so much. It's just an interesting dynamic.
So I think it's fair to say you've all recognized we love talking about emotion. It is a great topic for both of us in the sense we've just done a lot of work in it. We appreciate the concept and we'll have future episodes on it. It will be integrated into all of the episodes because, well, emotions essentially control our life for the most part. So we need to figure out how to go about that. So to move on to next week's episode, you know what it is. It's CK with the PQ for you. Why do you think men struggle to support other men? It's a very generalized question, but I think it provokes a lot of thoughts. Think about that for the next week and we will talk about it with you soon. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. If you haven't yet, please download, subscribe, leave a review. But most importantly, if you took any value out of this episode or you enjoyed this episode, please post and share with your close family and friends. You can follow us at our online IG account, which is at Modern Masculinity. Make sure the C is a K. Remember, we're trying to represent the mask that men wear. So at Modern Mask. Unity podcast. You can also follow us on our private socials. Mine is at Coach Kyle Rushton. And mine is Anwar Ahmed4. And uh, any kind of post share that you do helps us kind of build this community one listener at a time. So we appreciate um, all your efforts. And remember, we're here with you. And we are standing tall beside you in this arena of misunderstood masculinity. Until next time, peace.